It's now time for Race Chat Live with Chris Creighton and Craig Moore. Welcome, Race Chat Live. Uh, I was just going over the intro and I didn't realize I was unmuted. So, uh, or I was muted the entire time. So, I guess I'll just go over it again. Apologies for the delay. Um, not sure where Craig is. I hope he's calling in soon. He said he's back in the saddle tonight, so we'll see where he's at. Chris, not feeling well, so he's just in the background producing. More than likely, we won't hear from him tonight. Hope he gets better soon, and uh, we'll try to get rolling with the show. 8.30, we'll have our guest, Nathan Stevens, come on. He runs the Facebook group page of Thank God It's Race Day for New York and Pennsylvania. He'll be talking about how he got into racing, how he's trying to bring together uh, the racing community up here in the Northeast. Um, also, talk about the unruly race at Thunder Mountain Speedway up here in New York. I believe it is. Um, we'll go over some national news. The uh, We'll see what we can do. Well, we got news that uh, out of Hendrick Motorsports from NASCAR from New Hampshire... I believe it was where we were recently at. The Chase Elliott Alex Bowman cars received L1 penalties after New Hampshire, and these L1 penalties are basically engine allocation infractions. Um, defending Series champion Chase Elliott in the 9 car and Alex Bowman in the 48 were found in violation of... Uh, Section 20.6.1.E in the NASCAR rule book, which covers engine assembly. Penalty report notes, when the long block is sealed, the engine must be used in the same vehicle number the next time it is used. So apparently, uh, we just, so apparently the engines are not, we're not in the right cars after they sealed them. Uh, officials deducted 25 points to each of the so the 9 and the 48 took a 25-point deduction in the driver and owner standing. Crew Chiefs Al Gustafson of Chase Elliott and Greg Ives of the 48 Bowman machine were both fined $50,000 each. Uh, NASCAR also issued one-way suspension to Hendrick Motorsports Executive Vice President and General Manager Jeff Andrews and the Organization's Director of Track Engine Support, Scott Maxime, for the next Cup Series event, which is at Watkins Glen in a couple of weeks, as we are on a couple-week break for the NASCAR Cup Series, well, any NASCAR Series we have, actually, at least for the Major Three. Um... I know Hendrick reported saying that they'll accept the penalties, they'll accept uh, anything because that's their own wrongdoing. They knew the rule. They have no excuse, so they're going to take it and go with it. I just want to know how you put an engine in the wrong car. Like, who wasn't paying attention? 
Apparently, nobody in the shop. I mean, Christ Almighty, Ray Charles should have noticed that. But you know, it it sucks. When I when I heard that, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" But go ahead, Taz. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, you're all right there, actually. Yes, it's, I mean, that's up to the uh, crew guys to leave that job up to them. You can't screw it up too much very often, so, I mean, got that going on. Also, in other NASCAR news, uh, Brad Keselowski is officially with Ross Fenway after this season. And has part ownership. Will be and he'll be piloting the number six car, which means Brian Newman gets the boot. Or does he? Does that open up another car for? Does that open up another car for Roush Fenway? Well, Roush would like to keep Ryan Newman, but one issue they're facing is that if they want to compete for a championship, they have to keep it at a two-car stable, but I believe they're going to have to. I mean, you have Brad Keselowski, younger than, who might be, I believe he's a few years younger than Ryan Newman, but, I mean, Newman has had some soft performances, but I think putting Brad K in the car, you might have better performances. Chris Busher performing the way he's been as of late, too. You've got to go with Buster and BK. And Brian Newman, I'm sorry, but I think he's kind of – he's either at the end of his career or he's in the last few years. It's just a matter of what year are we going to see him get away. Well, I think we're – I think what we're seeing is drivers are going to the ownership role earlier and earlier in their career because they don't want to be uh, – non-competitive so I think then they're looking they're looking at their futures a lot sooner than uh, those of yesteryear let's just put it that way you know we're seeing a lot younger ownership role in NASCAR than because think about it how how long does Roush have Jack the cat in the hat Jack Roush have as an owner. He's in his late 70s, early 80s, if not mid-80s. Richard Childress is up there. Um, Rick Hendrick is up there. The only semi-young car owner that you got of the big four is Tony Stewart. He's the only one that's got longevity as far as age on this side. Well, with Hendrick, we know who's next in line when Hendrick finally steps away, and that's Jeff Gordon. We, we're right. seeing, seeing it right now. Rouse, right. I believe they're seeing it in Brad Keselowski. You mentioned it with Tony Stewart where he's at. Um, Richard Childress, I think Richard Childress still has a little bit, still has a little while. I don't know who would take over for him because right now Austin and Right now, the Dillon brothers are so young into their career, they still have a while to go. 
So I don't know who would take over for them. As far as... Penske is just a matter... I don't know about Penske either. Who knows there? But we know if Joe Gibbs, it's going to be Kyle Busch. Denny Hamlin's gone in his own direction. Yeah, so it's it's definitely... Uh, it's definitely going into a, another... Uh, definitely going into a younger ownership role in NASCAR with with car owners, and that's that's phenomenal. I mean, that's that's exactly what we need to keep this sport going. So, you know, I don't know what else what else can be done as far as who who else really owns it. I mean, you got like you just said, you have Denny Hamlin who who partnered up with. Uh, uh, I almost said Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Kurt Busch is rumored to go over to the uh, twenty three eleven team. Is that not? Is that still? Do you know if that's still on track? I think he's still rumored for that, but don't fully quote me on it. Um, I know DeBenedetto's still in talks, but it's looking like Kurt Busch will be getting the nod over there. Um, if I were Matt DiBenedetto and why I'm staying in the Cup Series, you know who you sh- I don't really want to say kiss butt to, but you know who you should really try to convince to get a ride? And you have a brand-new Cup team coming up next year with the next gen. They're going to go full-time. They don't have a driver yet, at least not that I know of. I would go over to GMS. They're a top. They're a top truck team. They're going to walk into the Cup Series, in my opinion, as one of the underdog teams. Matt Benedetto has written the underdog story for his entire career. You have a perfect pairing right there. Yeah, and it's a shame Matt Benedetto got screwed yet again. It seems like that is um, that is a definitely definite calling card for him. Uh, it seems like as soon as he starts to get close, something happens, and the the, the rug gets pulled out in front of him. And from him, from him, I can't even talk. So, you know, hopefully, he will get a ride from a top tier team, or as close to top tier as possible. Somebody's got to have something for that man. Uh, but like you said, maybe his maybe maybe his best bet is to um, get a ride with a with an up and coming Cup team if he wants to go that route. We'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, definitely for sure, and uh, it's. I mean, silly season's really getting up there. I mean, now you have Trackhouse who's going, who's got Ganassi. You're going to look at two cars. I I would keep Suarez in the in your primary. Make Suarez your your primary guy. I mean, you you chose him to start your team. Now build from it. Keep him as your guy. Now the second driver 
I mean, you, you could put the Benedetto over there, but I don't know how well those two will be. I don't. I mean, they might do well being that Suarez is an, an underdog himself. They might do well together, but in my opinion, if you want a, in my opinion, I think they might. Trackhouse might take Chastain instead because Chastain was with Ganassi. Um. So my other option for Dib for De Benedetto, if Trackhouse isn't the option, GMS is going to be it because colleagues already filled up. Right. No, it's it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be interesting as to what happens at the end of the the 2021 season. And it's hard to imagine it's uh <coughs> excuse me, it's hard to imagine it's the end of July and already. We've only got what four races left until the regular season ends, something like that. Until we crown like three or four it's like three or four. Yeah, it's just I mean it's crazy. It's crazy. We were just talking about uh we were just talking about that the other day, uh and how the and how the season just after after like what is the summer kickoff in like May June, how quick the season sent seems to uh uh progress. And the season yeah. is just it's almost over. It's just it's amazing. It's hard to believe. I mean, you think about it last year with the whole pandemic being the giant factor of everything. You're not – you're like, this season, oh, it's pretty long. And last year, you couldn't even believe that we already made through as many races as we could. I mean, with the long pandemic. This year, you're just like, oh, season's kind of long. But now you got through the long part of the season, all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, working towards the end of it all. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. Um, but I, I'm looking at um, odds for the championship right now. Uh, and Corey LaJoy is a uh, 2,000 to 1 underdog, or 2,000 to 1 odd. I'm looking at that on com. When I heard that... Um, Almarola won the race a few weeks, two weeks ago. I'm like, this is where we need to. Uh, our guest, our guest just asked me a question. I think NASCAR needs to figure out a new way. This one, this win in your end thing is great, but there's not an. It's, let me see. Let me see how I want to put this. It's a great idea in one respect, but in a whole other ball game, we have people that uh, can't seem to put stuff together. They're just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and it kind of muddies the water, if you will. It kind of muddies the water, if you will. And, you know, now we're going to go into the last ten races of the chase with two or three drivers that 
they're probably going to be out within the first race or two. So I think NASCAR needs to look at at the adjustment, making some adjustments to the point system. Yeah, I might. I would have to probably. I see it this way, and I'm kind. I have to see it this way. I want to go back to the way where you finish top sixteen in points, regardless if you won or not. If you finish top sixteen points after twenty six races, that there's your playoff grid. Now your stage points or your win points become factors. If you won a race but didn't finish top 16, sorry, your bonus points are out the door. That's how I feel. Say that again. You won a race but you weren't consistent enough to be be a playoff person. That's my opinion. Gotcha. No, I, I get it. I mean, I agree with you. Um... It's just they need to do something to make it different. Uh, it's just like Denny Hamlin. He's consistent, but he's not one. Who was the last and driver? And he deserves to be in the playoffs. He, he rightfully deserves to be in the playoffs. And if he, if he somehow gets kicked out, say he loses the points lead at the end of the 26 races, and he gets kicked out of the playoffs because we have 16 winners, that is complete, utter bullcrap. I'm interested to know what Chris says. He's awfully quiet. Um, Chris is awfully quiet. I'm interested to know what he has to say. So anytime he wants to, uh, anytime well, he wants to play in. He's saying our guest is in the studio. Nice. Yeah, he just messaged me. So, all right, let's bring him in. Nate, how are you? Oh, right. <laughs> I guess I'm unmuted now. <laughs> there you go. You guys, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. Yep, so Nate, um, Kaz, myself, and Chris actually follow one of your pages, and I think I just started following your second page the other day, but tell <laughs> us how you got into... <laughs> Excuse me, we're going to let you have the floor. Tell us how you got started in racing, uh, what you're up to now. I know you you, you actually have a uh, Monday through Friday job or whatever, a, a day job as we all say. <laughs> but uh, tell us how you got started in racing and how you come up with these pages that you ad, you moderate on uh, social media. Sure. Uh, well, I'm... I was born into a racing family. Um, quite literally, my father got his first race car of his own while my mom was pregnant for me in the hospital. So uh, as soon as they, they got me out of there, they had me at the racetrack. I heard for years from people that would tell me about this cute little swing I, they would set up in the pits and see me as a baby. And so I, that got a little embarrassing years later when I was racing and my competitors would tell me about this stuff. But uh, but yeah, it's, uh, my dad started out with a four-cylinder modified, which was a very unique class at the time, which could really be almost about anything. They had very little tire rules, anything like that, as long as they had a four-cylinder engine. Uh, 
people ran rear engine, mid engine, front engine. You know, it, this was in uh, 1981 was when he started in it. Um, real interesting class, but racing at five mile point in what was called Dundee at the time, which is now outlaw. Uh, you'd also travel around to different tracks, but yeah, that was, uh, that was my life as a baby. You know, I was at racetracks three nights a week as a, as just a little baby, you know, nothing fancy, not these big league stuff, but you know, uh, a couple years later we got it, got a dirt modified and tried to mess around with that. Uh, we would travel down to Florida. I don't think we ever really did anything. Uh, the guy that was driving for my dad was leading dirt rookie of the year points, uh, and then got thrown out of five mile point for life for giving the flagger the finger. So, uh, so that kind of went south. And, uh, so, you know, it's been an interesting path. Uh, my dad got into enduro racing for a little while. Then, um, then some of his friends, uh, decided to open up Skyline Raceway, which had been, uh, you know, an old school, little tiny track up in, uh, just outside of Cortland, New York. And, uh, we ended up, well, we ended up having the pace car. We kept that at our shop. Uh, my dad was, uh, was the wrecker service for the first year. We just helped out there. And after, after a year of that and dealing with people yelling at him while he was towing their cars, he decided that he was going to get his own late model and race there. And, you know, and from there, you know, uh, he jumped around. Then a few years later, Thunder Mountain Speedway opened up by another group of friends. And so kind of the same deal. My dad was the first person to ever turn a lap at Thunder Mountain Speedway in a race car. Um, you know, and I've still got a scar on my leg from I don't know how many twenty some years ago where I was I was trying to help put up the front stretch fence. So it's uh so I'm I've literally got blood in that track and uh you know jumped around since then. I got into racing myself uh when I was seventeen years old. I jumped into a four cylinder stock car, um, you know, fooled around for a little while, got pretty good and a couple years into it. Uh, that's where things got a little bit interesting. I started traveling racing at big races all over the East coast, ran in like Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, never really lit the world on fire, but it was real eye-opening experience to travel around, see all these tracks. I raced at Cherokee Speedway, the old big Cherokee Speedway quite a bit. Um, you know, it's around that time I started, well, Thunder Mountain Speedway again, and I ran their first, well, I made their first website. So that's a little bit of how I got involved in the internet side of it. Um, you know, didn't, few other things there um ran different pages i had a page called southern tier dirt online for the southern tier of new york that never really fully took off i had some opportunities to go in that direction a little bit some of the bigger websites wanted to merge with me and i don't know i took a different direction and it kind of died off but um but around that time i got interested in promoting i started uh well i tried to start an organization called the four cylinder racing alliance um initially i talked about doing it down in the Carolinas. I had some pretty big name people interested in working with me. Um, I had Mike Gauld, who used to run Cherokee Speedway. He was interested in it. And even Kelly Carlton, who now uh, runs the Sports Combat Dirt Racing Association, the SCDRA. We talked about it on breakfast one day. And, and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing my own four-cylinder deal. But all, all my deal ended up being was a one-race deal up at Thunder Mountain. Um, put big money on the line and promoted it nationally. Uh, had all sorts of people interested in coming and then gas prices doubled like the month before that and all the out-of-towners backed out of it and all the locals were scared away from the, the out-of-towners so I ended up losing money and that was uh, kind of 
took a hiatus for a little while from promoting because I lost a lot more money than I expected on that deal. And, um, you know, I, then I jumped into a dirt sportsman was terrible at that. Uh, turns out I had, um, I had an issue with my brakes and since I'd never driven anything like that, everybody just thought I was an idiot. They didn't know how to drive the car and, uh, took me most of the season to figure out that my, the only brake on my car that was working was my right front brake. So every time I touched the, touched the brakes, it would turn right. And, you know, they tell you to turn right, to turn left, but that's not how you do it. You know, you go in the middle of the straightaway and it turns right into the, into the wall. You know, you only do that a few times before you feel, feel pretty dumb. But, uh, did that for a while, cost me a bunch of money and got out of it, it sold that off, uh, jumped in, raced a few street stock cars for people, got some back running cars up into top fives, but, um, Decided to take a hiatus from all of it, and I went and uh, refereed professional wrestling for about five, six years, traveled around, was on TV a couple times. You know, I love that because uh, one of the big things I like is I like the storytelling. Um, I like the adventure. I think we need more of that in motorsports. We need, you know, we need good guys and bad guys. You know, everybody, you know, you like booing the, the Bush brothers, but nobody actually outright says that they're bad guys. You know, we haven't really had that since, you know, Dale Sr., or when we had that man in black bad guy type thing. And, you know, I grew up as a Bill Elliott fan. So, so he was the good guy. He was the, you know, the most popular driver out there. They're the humble, you know, well, they're both pretty humble, but you know, in their different ways. And uh, so that's something I'm passionate about, but I learned all about that. The, the keys to that stuff is the simplicity and storytelling that all you really need to do is establish that, that there's a good guy and a bad guy and everybody else writes the story along with that. And I think we could do a lot in that with motorsports. But, but yeah, that kind of brings us up to this point. I decided to get back involved in, uh, in racing. I had some big ideas for things I wanted to do. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I came back and realized that I'd been away long enough that everybody forgot who I was. And uh, so uh, just trying to, trying to remind everybody who I am and decided – Decided to get back into the internet stuff and the social media. A uh, friend of mine, Brandon Clapperton, and who's he's about like me, got projects going on all over the place. He had created this whole idea, thank God it's race day, TGIR, but didn't really know what to do with it. So uh, I was constantly feeding him ideas. You know, we need to make a calendar. We need to do T-shirts. We need to do all this stuff. And eventually he just gave me the brand and said, you know, you got all these ideas. Go ahead and do something with it. And one of the first things I did was create the, uh, the social media, the Facebook uh, group, uh, which, um, you know, that's my idea. I tried to pick an area and I wasn't sure initially. I live in Binghamton, New York, which is right on the New York, uh, Pennsylvania border. So I go to, you know, it's, I got a Penn Can Speedways a half an hour from me, but, you know, uh, got also New York tracks that are half an hour. I've got five tracks that are within 45 minutes of me. So, uh, so I'm all over the place and, and just decided to make the, the group all in New York and PA and just kind of brought everybody in that I knew I did, did a few promotions to grow the group big and then just started just sharing. Uh, you know, I, I realized that not everybody gets to see what's going on at these other tracks out there and, you know, incorporated other different types of racing. Still trying to figure out exactly what the limits are. You know, most everybody seems to be interested in circle track racing, but we're doing dirt and asphalt. Uh, but I also incorporate some motorcycle racing, road racing, drag racing, whatever's out there. I just share it and just see what, uh, watch the engagement out there, see what people are following, pe see what people are commenting on. 
uh, you know, liking and kind of try to stick with that. But I, I also don't want to cut off the stuff that they don't seem to be interested in because just an opportunity to grow the group and bring everybody together. You know, we've all got common interests, but, uh, but yeah. And then I also, <laughs> sorry, I got, a, I got a lot to say here. I, uh, I also took the TGIR and, and made a t-shirt brand and a sticker brand out of it. I got some goofy, goofy shirts and stuff out there. Um, but I largely started that to fund uh, the unruly race, which you guys talked about a little bit, and I can get into that in detail, but um, the unruly race is, is my big project right now, which is going on September 12th at Thunder Mountain Speedway. It's uh, a race that's, you know, something completely different out there. there um, I've spent a lot of time with all my different projects, reading rule books, tacking cars. I've been, I've been a tech inspector at tracks. I've done all this stuff and, and there's just so many problems. It's why we're constantly calling people cheaters, you know, because, uh, you know, even, even the NASCAR level, I forgot about that. I worked on a NASCAR truck for a little while as a crew member, or you see it, it's just next to impossible to enforce all the rules, you know, it's, uh, and, uh, and we get to, you know, one of the answers to that was the crate stuff and just saying, okay, everybody's got this spec engine. Everybody's got the same engine. Same, everybody's got the same car, which is a great rule, except, there's thousand things on the, in that engine and on that car to check. And if you're not checking all of them, then, uh, and people are going to have an advantage. So, uh, so I'm going the opposite direction saying, what rules can I enforce? What rules are important? Most important thing in racing that pretty much everybody will tell you the most important thing in racing is the tire. Um, you know, if you, you can never have enough tire, but my answer is to, put you on, on the worst tire or close to the worst tire I can, uh, you know, I, going with either a DOT tire or the Hoosier G60, which is the IMCA modified tire, um, mostly because that's what that's built around. And, uh, and putting a durometer limit on it, can't have anything softer than 54. And then a weight rule, you know, it's, uh, I can enforce those two rules. And that's, to me, the most important things other than safety, you know, and safety is all over the place and say, do whatever else you want. You know, we're racing on short tracks, unruly races on a dirt track. Thunder Mountain's a three-eighths mile, a small three-eighths mile dirt track. Say, I don't care. You want to show up with 1,500 horsepower. You're not going to get it to the ground, you know, so it's uh, whatever you want to do. I got people that want to race in a four-cylinder, and I don't think, I don't think they're going to win with a four-cylinder, but, uh, but maybe they will. Maybe they'll throw a turbocharger on it. You know, we don't see those on circle track racing at all, but why not? You know, it's, uh, what's the difference? You know, you get that out of your street car, but, but yeah, that's some of what I do. <laughs> a lot of talking there. For sure. So, for sure. So explain what this unruly race is. Cause this is where I've been seeing a lot of promotion for it, but I'm maybe somebody who may be interested in it is hearing it for the first time. So like I, I'm hearing you got like four cylinder cars, like what kind of cars and maybe some of the rules, format, whatever you want to yep. mention of that. Yeah, it's a pretty standard race format. That's one thing. Uh, there's a lot of confusion that see it. People think it's an enduro race or some sort of gimmicky race. Feature is going to be a regular 60 lap feature. Uh, pretty much standard procedures other than Delaware restarts, you know, um, pretty standard. We're going to draw for heats. Uh, I'm going to use passing points in the heats uh, just to mitigate out like random draws, but really just nothing super special about the race format. 
the the biggest special thing is the cars um there are you know there's only really three rules uh the like i said the tire roll tire roll is the biggest thing um and the tire roll is you can use that imca modified tire it doesn't need to be stamped imca but the hoosier g60 or you can use a, a dot tire uh, that's a 235 or narrower, which is what like the factory stocks, uh, street stocks in, in this area, uh, hobby stocks, they're on, on that tire. Uh, but again, uh, has to drometer 54, which is what the Huger G60 is. You can do whatever you want to the tire because, I, again, I'm only enforcing rules that I can tech, and I'm not going to get into chemical testing or anything like that. Whatever you want to do, as long as it drometers that and it's the right tire, the tire is legal. The only other rule is that uh well the other rule is that it has to weigh three thousand pounds that's the minimum weight which again that goes back to what the street stocks factory stocks around here um they all weigh three thousand pounds but you can race um you can race whatever you want there is no chassis rule there is no body rule there's no engine rule at all oh uh, you can run a big block you can run a four-cylinder you can you can run an electric car for all i care um as as long as um uh, as long as it weighs three thousand pounds and it's on that on that tire and the other rule and i probably should have got more specific on this but it has to be safe and by safe i mean it has to be a fully built race car um you know it's got to be to the standards of having a full rate roll cage in it. it has to have a racing seat in it you got to have all your proper uh gear in it you got to have you know the head restraints you know everything full fire suit up to par you got to be able to get in and out of your car um i've left the rule generic that it has to be safe because whatever stupid thing you do, if you build a Lexon box around your, around your seat, no, that's not safe. You know, um, if, if you show up with a, with a bench seat in there, no, that's not safe. You know, it's, uh, it's gotta be a fully built race car, but that's it. You know, uh, you said you can, I've got people talking about running IMCA modifieds. I've got people talking about running front wheel drive four cylinders. I've got people talking about running all wheel drive four cylinders, it's, uh, you know, the majority of the cars, uh, because they're pretty much legal, is are going to be like hobby stocks, factory stocks, whatever you call them, street stocks. they got different names at all different tracks, but your, uh, you know, your standard stock car that races on a DOT tire. Uh, we have street stocks in this area that are more of extreme, almost like a borderline limited late model. They're legal other than they got to change tires. Um, so a lot of them are a little hesitant because they're um, – I think they're a little embarrassed that they might got, get beat by a hobby stock, um, as far as I can tell, or they're scared that if they put narrow tires on it, they can't drive the things. But, uh, but you know, that's that's it. We're keeping it nice and simple. It's uh, nothing fancy about it. Uh, I'm having fun with a lot of different things, trying things out to, to see what works. But, you know, if, if you got a car that weighs 3,000 pounds and you can bolt those tires on it and it's safe, bring it. So, oh, the important part, I forgot to say, $3,000 to win. Um, we're working on the back pay a little bit. Um, the track I'm guaranteeing the start, uh, the winner's money tracks paying the back pay. Um, I was a little bit concerned about that, but I just found a little bit extra money. So I think that's going to be good, but I still, I don't want to announce anything until I talk to them. Uh, just cause I, I literally just got this money today. So, um, so I think it's going to be going to be announcing that shortly, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what's going on with that race. Now, when is that race? It is September 12th, which is a Sunday. Um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a day race. I don't have an official start time yet, but 
Um, you know, it's not a holiday weekend or anything like that. So we want to get out of there. Um, there's a possibility. I haven't taken any pre-entry, so I don't know how many cars are going to be there, but there's a possibility there's going to be a lot of cars there. So we're going to start as early as we can. And I'm going to face a lot of stuff around getting out of there. Um, this isn't the only race that's happening that day. We're also having the CRSA sprint cars there, which, oh God, I should have, I think they're a 305 sprint. And um, and we're also having a 600cc sprints that the NY6A uh, sprint cars are also going to be there that day. So, oh, um, you can be there live Thunder Mountain Speedway in Center Lyle, New York. Uh, it's right off of I-81, uh, just about uh, about a half an hour north of the Pennsylvania border. Um, also, you can watch it live on, on Dirt Track Digest. Um, I know it's part of their package deal, but you can do a one-off deal too for that. Uh, yep. Greg, you got any questions for our guest here? No, I think he's just about answered everything that I <laughs> I was wondering. I mean, when he said he had a lot to cover, he was not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah. you you mentioned about probably traveling. Like, what are some tracks that maybe you haven't been to or what kind of races you haven't been to, say, let's say this year um, that you are kind of eyeballing? Well, um, I've been to – I am keeping track of this. Uh, I've never really considered myself, you know, a race chaser in the past, although, like, I've kept a loose record. I think coming into this year, I've been to about 70 tracks, but this year alone, I've been to 20 different tracks. Um, last week, I, I went to the, my last local track that I hadn't been to, which is an asphalt track about 45 minutes from here called Chemung Speed Drum. It's an old uh, track that the Bodine family, uh, Jeff Bodine's family, built way back in the day, and a uh, beautiful facility. I've driven past it a million times, but it was my first time actually going there, and that was a, that was a fun little race there, but... Um, again, it's kind of weird what tracks I haven't been to, um, cause I've been to tracks, like said, all over the country, but, um, this weekend I'm going to Fulton Speedway for the very first time. Fulton's a, you know, a very popular, well-known track, um, owned by, um, um, John White, whose you know, son, Larry White is a popular modified yeah. sprint car driver or so that one, that one wasn't really on my schedule because I'm in aiming towards just going to the street stock, hobby stock type racetracks because that's what i'm all about is promoting this race uh but uh but they're running a hobby stock race there or it's not a class they normally run so i'm like oh this gives me an excuse to put another track on the list and and get there um i've had <laughs> i was supposed to go there about you know a half a dozen times over the years and and just never made it for whatever reason so so that's that's uh that's this uh this saturday yeah this saturday that's the plans for that um, I'm starting to stay a little bit more close to home because I'm just focusing on, on these projects, but, um, just watching whatever pops up at the, uh, at the beginning of the year, I went to, I went a lot to a lot of the Dale races. So I went down to, uh, the Brett Dale's, uh, short track super series races. I went down to Port Royal and, um, and Sealands Grove to see down there. I've been to a lot more asphalt races than I had been in years. Years ago, I helped out a Legends car team down in the Carolinas, went to a lot of asphalt races back then, but I really hadn't been to very many around here. So this year I've been to uh, Bethel, uh, Mahoning Valley, um, like I said, Chemung. I also went to Stafford. I went out to the first SRX race. Uh, oh, you were there? That. 
I yeah, I, I went to that. <laughs> What's that? There's a lot of people there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm wearing my – I just got my shirt because they were sold out, and I just got it in the mail today, so I'm wearing it right now from the, uh, from the inaugural race there. It's funny you say that because I actually got one of the shirts you were talking about, and I'm actually wearing it today. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And so, so we're we're twinning right now. <laughs> oh my okay. goodness gracious! I feel naked. <laughs> you got to order them. I still well, they they don't have very many sizes. That's the problem. I'm actually I'm going on on a diet because I had to order this a size smaller than what I uh, what I normally do, and I barely fit into it. I don't really want to go too much out in public, but. But uh, it's my goal shirt, but I squeeze into it just to feel in the, the racing mood instead of wearing my uh, my little polo shirt I wear, wear during my day job. Now, what do you do for a day job? I Well, if I want to sound fancy, I'm an associate business advisor, um, which so I work for uh, essentially a nonprofit business. Uh, we're funded partially by the Small Business Administration and partially by the SUNY um, State college system, and we help out businesses that, with really any of their needs, we help a lot of startups. Uh, so people that just from people that just have a, a business idea and, and don't know anything about running a business, we can help you put together a business plan and stuff. Um, to businesses that have existed for a long time, you know, we don't we're small businesses, so nothing too huge. But um, said my the fancy thing is to say I'm the associate business advisor, but. I took this job specifically to cut back my hours so that I could focus on racing this year. So technically I'm pretty much just a secretary, but uh, I'm also the, uh, the kind of the social media expert there, but I don't deal with clients directly other than I deal with the, the ones that call in and stuff, but, but that's, it's a lot of fun. And it's actually the best thing about it is uh, I was just joking with one of the advisors today that, uh, said that they were going to nominate me for advisor of the year, but they were also going to nominate me for client of the year because I'm constantly picking their, picking their brains about ideas, um, you know, for my t-shirt brand, the, the TGIR merch brand, but also, um, you know, the unruly race, I've been kind of doing this hand to mouth, uh, you know, paying most of the bills myself, but next year I've got really big plans for what I'm calling the open race challenge, uh, open racing challenge series which is essentially going to be 14 unruly races uh, spread out within about two hour radius around Binghamton, New York. And that um, that's going to be expensive. And I've got some pretty extensive business plans. I'm meeting with somebody that's uh, uh, the former director of, uh, of sales for a local sports team here, um, regional sports team. I'm meeting with him on Wednesday to talk about doing sponsorship deals and packages. I've got really ambitious plans for what I'm doing there. So so yep, I'm a, I'm, I'm not just a, I'm not just a spokesman. I'm also a client. So yep, that's that's what I do all day is deal with people <laughs> with crazy business ideas. I'm not just a spokesman. I'm a client. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that everybody in the that has something to do with business or racing tries to work a job that allows them their passion. Yeah, still yeah. work their passion. I, I know that um, I own a DJ business, so I try to, I try when I, you know, when I was job hunting, I looked for a job that would allow me to still DJ. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, and, and Taz works in retail, and he's lucky enough 
that he's able to uh, do what he needs to do to fulfill his racing uh, his racing bug. I know Chris does the same thing, and and CJ he tries to do the same thing. Although he's getting married in a couple of days, so <laughs> you know we all tried to talk Brandy out of it, but she didn't listen. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's dangerous ground there. It's uh, but I one of the reasons I stepped away from racing for a while was um, because because I'm kind of a workaholic and I found these jobs and I was perfect for the jobs, but it wasn't perfect for me. So I, I worked for a food distributor for a while that was working me 70, 80 hours a week. And, uh, and they ended up firing me because I was making too much money. And, uh, I ended up uh, getting a friend of mine, a guy I used to help on his race cars, a local postmaster. And he's like, Oh, the post post office is always hiring. You know, that's a great job. Uh, same thing. I walked in there and working, you know, 60 plus hours a week, going to work at one o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and that, uh, that was great. Cause again, I made, did pretty good on the money and gave me the, you know, a little bit of the safety net so I could do this crazy stuff, but it just killed me inside. I'd still try to go to a couple races a week and, you know, working those hours. It was, it was killing me. So I did this, this just fell into my lap, this job. And, and, uh, and it's great. Um, as I you know, said, I get all these people that are helping me run my business, and I get to help other people with theirs, which is one of my passions. It's actually what my education is in, and um, and I have plenty of time to go to the races. Tell us about your uh, the the T-shirt, the merchandise website, and uh, if somebody wanted to order some yep. merch, how they how would they do that? Well, it's, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out because it didn't work out exactly the way I planned. But if you want to buy one of my existing shirts, the website is tgirmerch.com. And then I've got a, just a variety of, like I said, kind of goofy shirts. Uh, I've got, you know, my my branding, uh, my one red shirt, which is kind of my, my logo shirt. It's also on the on the Facebook group. Might coincidentally look a little bit like a Trump shirt. Um that's that one's on there uh, i've got <laughs> i've got one of more my, my more controversial ones that came from a uh a facebook meme i saw that's got a picture of uh you know a big block dirt modified on it and it just says racist underneath of it because you know uh they they got me in trouble as a kid they told me that that race car drivers were known as racist so you know it's a uh, that's trouble troublesome ground to walk on there there but uh but yeah, I just try to have fun with with stuff like that and do kind of joke type type stuff. Um, it's uh, uh, but yeah, just some fun stuff there. Recently, after that, uh, you know, the sales never really did what I thought they were going to do. So I started doing uh, shirts for small teams. Uh, I don't advertise that so much on the website. Just been doing it for friends. Um, going to probably end up doing my own shirts uh, for for the unruly race. But yeah, if uh if you're interested, you can, you know, go to tgirmerch.com. Um I've got a few different email addresses if you want to reach out to me. Uh the one I'm starting to pivot towards is uh is Nate at uh Orc series. Uh, that's for the racing series next year. That's ORC series um dot com. Um so yeah, it's if you're interested in doing something with shirts. I also do I do a lot of stuff just for people. You know, I help people out. We had a lot of fan appreciation uh, nights this past week. And um, just just for fun, I just did hero cards. I designed hero cards for a number of teams. I really enjoy that type of stuff. So 
So, um, you know, not that I'm not that I'm giving everything away, but but uh, but yeah, if you got an idea, reach out to me. I'll talk to you. I'll give you a price quote on on what it is, or I'll I'll help you out with what's going on. You know, I'm just always looking to have fun. That's awesome. Let's think that's work cut out for you. <laughs> what's that? Looks like got a lot of work cut out for you. Yeah, I definitely keep busy. It's um, and that's just trying to figure out. Uh, you know, you never know until you try something. So I just try and everything I possibly can. You know, the uh, between the the Facebook group. You know, that's really like the most fun I have. I you know I don't really profit from that other than just having friends out there, there and people paying attention. Um, you know, the shirt thing again. I I started that as fun. Uh, as an idea, you know, years ago, I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head, but it was the guy that owned the, the Stars Series and the Dirt Track World Championship. I remember on a on a forum years ago, forum.net, he he sold all that out, but kept the merchandise rights and pretty much went on there and said he kept the only thing that was really valuable of the whole thing. And, uh, and I always remember that. That was probably 20 years ago that he posted that. And, and so I'm like, well, I need to get involved in merchandise one way or another. And this is really kind of my first, first venture in that. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. But, you know, it's, uh, I'm always listening, paying attention, trying to figure out what the, what the best angle to come about it is and trying to improve the sport as a whole. Uh, it's, uh, I don't want to get into all my things going on with the Open Race and Challenge Series, but that's something you guys are going to want to pay attention to. I think everything that comes together with that, it's, I really think it could be revolutionary for the sport as a whole. I've got some very different things that are going to come out of that. And I think a lot of people should be paying attention to that. So I'm just trying to figure out that's my dream. That's my passion. I've always wanted to be a promoter. Like I said, that's why I got into the professional wrestling stuff. I want to know how to tell stories. I want to know how to entertain people, you know, but ultimately coming back to the racing, which is where my blood is. I just want to, you know, I, I want to make this stuff fun for people. You know, I look back at, at NASCAR, you know, in the 90s when, it, when people stopped paying attention and starting to ask, why did people stop paying attention? You know, nowhere near as much as it was. You know, in 92, 93, it was the biggest sport in America. And, uh, and they kind of lost that, you know, and, and, uh, and a lot of short track racing kind of waned after that. And it's, it's picked up in some areas, but I think there's a lot of potential. It's, it should be. You know, the, I think it should still be the biggest sport in America, and it has the potential to be that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It does, and uh, I think I I had said that earlier with with the new owners coming in, with the new own, younger owners yeah. coming in. That uh, that's exactly what the sport needs: some fresh, yeah, fresh blood, fresh ideas. Yep, it's a. Uh, it's a, I think that's been a lot of the problems over the years is, you know, somebody has a good idea and they just stick with it for, I mean, a lot of it went, they went downhill when they started going to the mile and a half tracks to make them moving billboards, you know, instead of, uh, instead of exciting races to watch. And while they're not terrible races, when every single race was exactly the same, you know, when people really wanted to watch the, you know, the North Wilkes-Barrows and the Bristols and, and things like that, those were the fun races. And, uh, Instead, they they went in the direction where they could make the most money. Maybe that wasn't the most effective thing. Can't make money off of advertising if nobody's watching. Right, exactly. Exactly, and as soon as they figure that out, then uh, they will be uh, – they, they should be back on track. Well, yeah, I want to uh, thank you. Taz, you got anything else, my friend? 
No, I think I'm actually, uh, I think I'm actually good on that. <laughs> I talk you guys <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you, uh, I think you've covered about most of the bases that I had for the most part. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I knew when we scheduled this, when I was talking with you, Nate, that this was going to be a, uh, this was going to be an interview where we didn't have to do a whole lot of questions. We'd give <laughs> you the we'd give you the floor and you'd run with it. Yeah, it's uh hopefully hopefully everybody kinda got what I was talking about and I'm just not talking around in circles and stuff, but you know, I'm just I'm just so ridiculously excited about everything I'm doing and how this is all gonna come together. You know, I, I can see where it's going and uh and I'm just excited to take everybody along for the journey. Yeah, that's awesome, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it uh, where it goes. If we don't get a chance to have you back on this season, uh, we're definitely going to get you back on uh, early next year, so that way you can talk yeah. about the new series you got you're putting together. Yeah, and that's like you said, I'm I've got a lot of you know a lot of bait in the water right now that I'm waiting to hear back on, but if it, if even a few of these things come back the way I think they are, are this is going to be something that, that uh, not just the the regional stuff, I think it's going to be talking about it nationally, some of the stuff I'm doing. And that, and that would be phenomenal. So yeah. I want to, I want to thank you for coming on, spending about 40 minutes with us. And uh, we will definitely get this show shared out tomorrow as well and uh, get more people to tune in. So again, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, Taz, we'll throw it back to you, my friend. Thank you guys so much. All right, thanks for coming on there. All right. Thank you very much again, Nate. Great job. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing, uh, keeping track of what's going on on all of your uh, on all of your ventures. What else you got, Mr. Taz? All right. Well, we can't have Race Chat Live without some local racing segments, so I guess we can venture off into that. Um, we got some highlight reels, a couple other race results to go over. Um, so we're going to go right into the highlight reels. First in the Unichrome Speedway from this past Thursday night, we are green flag racing with the Short Track Super Series North Region. Richie Evans remembered 61-lap modified main event. Short freeze and Matt Schiffer leads the field down the back straightaway for the 61-lap main event. As everyone's rolling and charging through, turn three and four down the back straightaway. We got Billy Van Pelt around in turn number two. That'll bring up the yellow for the first time in the feature. So I go back to original start. No laps complete. Once again, Matt Shepard and Stuart Friesen lead them to the charge. Bobby Hackle and Rocky Warner behind them as they charge into turns one and two. Take two of the Richie Evans remembered 61 main event. Everyone running down the back straightaway, trying to get to Matt Shepard and Stuart Friesen. Shepard on the bottom, Stuart Friesen on the outside, off turn number four, left number one goes to Mr. Freeze, Stuart Friesen. Shepard not going to let him go easy. Rocky Warner's there for third. Move ahead to 18 laps complete. And we have Mike Mahaney battling out with AJ Slideways, Alan Johnson. But meanwhile, that's going on. Turn number two, you got Stuart Friesen, Matt Shepard, 
trying to battle for the lead and work around lap traffic. Shepard had Stu, but Stu gets around a couple of cars. Shepard's struggling to get around one of them. That's David Schilling as we are now 20 laps into the 61-lap main event. Shepard washes up into turn number one, loses ground on Stuart Friesen. There are two lap cars in between first and second. Friesen's going to try to run away with it. Shepard's going to figure out how to get around lap traffic. Move ahead of 24 laps complete. Shepard's gotten around lap traffic. He's caught up to Stu now as we get into heavier lap traffic. Shepard on the bottom in turns one and two, looking for the race lead. Friesen trying to hold on, but Shepard has the preferred inside groove. Can't make it stick. To the outside of turn three and four, Stuart Friesen gets around the 18V of Bobby Barron while Shepard's going to fall in his tire track and going to try to figure out a way around him with 26 laps in. Off turn number two, putting Bobby Barron down a lap, but still struggling to clear him. And Shepard's going to be knocking on the door, but Friesen had to shut the door. They switched lanes. Shepard to the outside now. Friesen down low. He gets around Perego, puts him down a lap. Shepard's still trying to follow the tire tracks of Stuart. Friesen going into turns one and two with 27 laps into the book. Friesen puts a couple cars and more cars down a lap, and he tries to get around another one. He does, but Shepard's still catching. Four laps to go this time. Matt Williamson battling with A.J. Slideways, Alan Johnson. This is for third off turn number two, and money Matt Williamson is coming. He's up to third now. He gets around Billy Van Pelt, a lap car. Putting AJ sideways back to fourth as we're working around the corner. Actually, sideways back to fifth. That put Williamson up to fourth because Rocky Warner is still sitting in third. We're coming around for the white flags. Mr. Freeze, Stuart Friesen, his only victory in 2021 at this track has been opening night, and he hasn't visited victory lane since. Down the back straightaway for the final time. Mr. Freeze will pick up another short track super series victory win the first time the series has visited utica rome mr freeze Stuart friesen picks up the win over matt shepherd and rocky warner your podium finishers and now with utica rome speedway we'll move mosey on over to fonda on saturday night and it was thunder on the throughway fonda utica rome series race Lumazaro, member 44, Lapper is green with Pep Karate and Sort Friesen leading the charge. Adam McAuliffe and Mike Mahaney behind them. As, they, as everyone bobbles in turns one and two, and Matt Shepard starting deep in this one, he's going to have to work his way up through the field if he wants to catch Stuart Friesen. Meanwhile, leading lap number one, it's going to be the 44 of Stuart Friesen leading lap number one of 44 laps in. Shepard trying to work his way through the field. He gets by Brian Pesolano, and now we'll set the sights on Jessica Friesen, but Rocky Warner's in the wall in turn number two. That'll bring out the yellow. As we get ready to go back to green, Stuart Friesen and Pep Karate going to lead them down in the turns one and two. Mike Mahaney for third, Craig Hanson fourth, Adam McCall at the top five. Mahaney gets around, Craig Hanson for third, look around and get by the 21P of Pep Karate. Shepard to the outside of Jessica Friesen a little bit further back. Three wide with Adam McAuliffe on those two. And McAuliffe says, see you later. I'm out. I'm going to get around Steve Akers. I'll catch you guys next time. As McAuliffe gets by Akers, but Shepard's going to be knocking on the door there because he gets around Akers as well. And he's got to run on the bottom of turns one and two to catch up to McAuliffe. Mahaney to the outside of Pep Karate in turn number three. 
going to look to take the two spot away. They work around corner number four. Mahaney to the outside. Pep Karate down low. Oh, happening behind the 44. Stuart Friesen as we complete lap number three. Craig Hansen knocking on the door. He's in fourth, looking for third. Can't quite make it six. He pops a wheelie on turn number two. Hang on. As we're going into turns three and four, Friesen one, Mahaney two, Pep Karate in third. Move forward to six left complete. Mahaney's caught up to Stuart Friesen going into turn number three. We got ourselves a battle for the lead. Mahaney reeling in. Stuart Friesen off corner number four. Friesen shuts the door as Mahaney tries to find another way around Stuart Friesen. He gets up high into the wall and turns one into his Mike Mahaney. He's going to try to keep that car rolling, and he does. But he'll bring it to a slow and put it into pit lane, moving Craig Hansen in position number two. Move forward with 29 laps complete. Friesen now working around lap traffic, and Craig Hansen stops on the back stretch. And now bring another yellow, 28 laps into the book. Stuart Friesen, and now Matt Shepard comes into the picture. He's up to second as we go back to green. To the inside, it turns one and two. Shepard looking for the lead. Josh Hollenforce moves up to the third. As Jessica Friesen now in the fourth as we go down the back straightaway here on the restart. Hollenforce and Jessica Friesen side by side. Just up high, Hollenforce down low. Hollenforce will shut the door and hold on for third with 29 laps into the book. Shepard holding on to second as he's trying to figure out a way to run down Stuart Friesen. Move forward ahead to 38 left complete. R.J. Ronnie Johnson, he's up to fourth now. He'll look for third on the outside of Horn Force. He shuts like her. He shuts like a rocket down the back straightaway. Move into third is R.J. Ronnie Johnson. Put Horn Force back to fourth with only a handful of laps to go. Final time in the turns one and two as we move ahead into this point. Stuart Friesen in the three and four final time will pick up. And keep his perfect streak going for Thunder on the Thurway Fonda Unicorome Series. He'll win at Fonda over Matt Shepard and R.J. Ronnie Johnson, your podium finishers. Well, mosey on over to the Mower Tire Group. We raced this past Saturday for the second round of the Fast Forward Series presented by TNT Motorsports Network. In the 5-9 novice, JL picked up win number one of the series, but another win for the weekly racing as well over Tears of Rikoski. Adult MTP, we have Aaron Rikoski picking up the win. Two for two on fast forward series, and I believe it's his third or fourth win of the season. He wins over Tanner Bean in second. Ava Rikoski rounds out the podium. James Carroll, Terry Carroll, and Matt Kelly round out the field. Over in the more modified, Larry Breckenridge Jr. picked up win number one in the series and in the season over Draven Barnum and Scott Sitterly. And our next race is August 7th for the adult more tire predator car gambling twin features paying $50 to win each feature with the wild card redraw. Regular show for the other classes as well, and that's all presented by the Bud Mule Esports Series. And I want to give a shout-out to a former Race Chat Live guest earlier this year, Mr. Andy Crane, picking up a win over at Bethel Motor Speedway for the Sport Mod feature. And that about wraps it up for me right here for the Northeast Wrap-Up Report. All right. Well, that was that was uh awesome. I'm telling you, every time I hear you, 
I'm thinking you need to do uh, you need to do more of that. We need to figure out how to. You need to figure out how to uh, uh, do that on a uh, on a regular basis. Because listening to you, it's like you're right there with the action. And I, uh, I just enjoy listening to it. <laughs> So what is what else is going on? Uh, we're we're racing this week. And, oh, shout out to uh, former guest two, Jeremy Terrell, on his win this Saturday, this past Saturday at Fonda. Uh, I believe that's his third one of the season. And I don't know where points are at, but he's got to be right up there in the hunt for the championship. I don't know. I haven't seen them post anything about that. Uh, I haven't either. So, but if you've got nothing else, Taz, we're going to wrap it up. We're actually off tomorrow or next week, and then we are back the uh, Sunday after Watkins Glen. And I'm working on uh, I'm working on an interview for a gentleman who is uh, getting involved in the truck series on a full time basis. Uh, the name of the uh, Race team, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is called Reaper Motorsports, and I'm uh, working on it. Working on a uh, date with him to bring him on and get him do an interview with him and sit down with him and, and discuss what's going uh, what's going on with him. So if you've got if you've got nothing to uh, if you've got nothing else, I guess we'll call it a night and uh, take it for there. That sounds about good there. I don't have anything else other than uh, next week we're taking a week off from Race Chat Live. We'll be back in two weeks after the Watkins Glen race, and we'll have our normal two-hour show from there. All right. Well, we will talk to everybody next week. Be good, everybody. Good night. Nice. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.